right, so this podcast is a little bit special because it's the first time that we've ever done a spiritual tradie podcast in front of a live audience. And basically how it works was we were hanging out on a Saturday night, playing some tunes and eating some chocolate made by none other than Georgie Castle of Citizen Cacao. And then I jokingly asked her the question, why chocolate? And then this unfolded. Um, this is how things evolve right here. <laughs> um, yeah. Good. Good okay. 2008, wait, let's catch up. 2008, blah, 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 blah. Financial crisis, blah, 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 blah. New York. <laughs> New York. Go. Okay, go. Including me. Um, I was. Why were you in New York? Quickly. Uh, what were you doing there? What job did you lose? At the time, I was working in uh, post production video editing. Oh. That's great. Babysitting grown ups. Where were you born? I was born in Auckland, New Zealand. Auckland, that's Auckland. That's awkward. But I've been to I've lived in London and met a family there. Before um, you were born. <laughs> Stop trying to trick me. I was born in Auckland. <laughs> Maybe I was born again in London. Oh, oh well. Um, <laughs> so I lived in London and I was a nanny for a family who had cousins in the US and um, after I left London the cousins called me up and said oh no good story yes. <laughs> here we go so I left London I leave London for the millennium I go home I'm at home when the sun rises in, in 2000 and um, I got a you left for 100 years I've got a thousand millennial I look good right yeah. um, <laughs> so <laughs> Um, I'm home for six months and the first... Where's home at this stage? In Auckland, New okay, Zealand. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like Auckland's going to feature a lot in yeah, this story. We're going to establish that as home? That's home, that's okay, home base. Cool. Yeah. Um, and I go home and I get a job. Six months into working, my old boss calls me from London. And she says, Georgie, it's Flora. And I say, hello. And she goes, would you like to come and work for us for the summer? And I was like, yes. And she said, okay, I'll pay for your flights in two weeks. And I was like, done. I went in and quit my job and flew over because I knew something was about to happen. I got a feeling, a really intense feeling that something big was going to happen. So I went over and met three different families who all offered me jobs at the, on, on the same day, actually. And one was an editor for Vogue and the UK and the other was a family in Connecticut and another and the other one family. was just right and the other one was just right exactly yeah. um, so I accepted the Go job on. with the people in New York and flew to LA but I had a boyfriend on the island I was in Nantucket Island in the States oh I'm so confused <laughs> <laughs> that didn't make sense so when I was flown over by my old bosses, mm -hmm. I was flown to an island called Nantucket, which was where we used to summer. Mm -hmm. So Nantucket's um, a little island on the off the east coast of New York. Do you know any limericks about Nantucket? <laughs> <laughs> I do 
to it now I can't remember what it is. <laughs> but it's very rude. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but we'll circle back to that. Okay. <laughs> we'll Google it. I like to get on the way. The one awesome. the man from Nantes. Yes. Yeah. Um, you know how that one goes. Um, so I had a boyfriend on Nantucket and I flew, I, I left and I flew to LA and um, he called me and he said, come, come back to Nantucket. And I said, of course, that would be amazing. So I flew back and stayed. And then on September 10, 2001, I flew out on a, a United Airlines flight at 9.30 a.m. from Boston, which is the same flight but one day earlier than September 11. But for no reason. I'd chosen that flight for no reason. So I was on one of the, the flights from the day before, landed in L.A., and September 11th happened. So I was stranded in the States for about six weeks, <clears throat> I think. Might have been a bit less. But um, the people who had offered me the job um, called me and said, would you, you know, you don't have to come now. And I said, no, I have to, actually, more than ever, because I was bound to this country from this tragedy that happened. Yeah. So I went to New York um, as a nanny, and then I arrived, and the family said, you realize that part of the deal is that we'll put you through school. And I was like, oh, I don't want to go to university. And they were like, you can study anything you want. And I was like, oh, I really don't need to study. And they're like, you should probably study. <laughs> you especially. <laughs> so um, I didn't really know what to do, and then I, st I decided that I'd actually go to um, a fashion school there called Parsons School of Design. And so I applied and got in, and that was and did a fashion merchandising degree, and worked as an Annie the whole time. Um, and it was fun. We traveled every six weeks. We'd go somewhere new. And I had a blast. And then I, I remember what happened. So then I finished school and got a job in video editing, which was there was nothing really around in the fashion industry, and I didn't really um, want to be in the industry after I'd seen the back end of it. It wasn't my thing, mm. you know. Like you've been so in how do you connect fashion. the two, the video and the so fashion. friends, friends. Um, it was nepotism. Like friends worked at a video editing place. And they had a client services job, sort of slash producer job that they, that they offered me. And somehow I managed to fit it into the confines of what I was allowed to do with my visa. Because mm. I had a visa to work um, mm. after my degree. So I worked for the editing company and then my sister fell ill with breast cancer. So I quit my job and I went back to New Zealand and to look after her while she recovered. And, um, and that was it. I sort of... I was like, well, that's my life now. I'll go home to Auckland, New Zealand. Mm. Plug Auckland. Maybe this could be used as an Auckland, New Zealand, you know, plug. Tourism. Travel, tourism plug, yeah. Tourism plug, yeah. Um, and then after about a month, I was I had to go again. I really needed to. You have to leave to. Auckland. Yeah. It's not a very good plug. <laughs> no, <laughs> I not because of Auckland. <laughs> okay. I love you, Auckland. Um, I just felt the need to, to leave again. I felt like I wasn't really done with New York. So the family I'd worked for very generously offered to put me through school again, um, but n to not have to work for them. Mm. So, um, and the company I worked for wanted to sponsor me, but they couldn't because um, I didn't um, meet the criteria. Mm. So I flew back, 
I went to school and then I went back to work for the video editing company and three months later the recession hit uh-huh. and they had to close the company. And so all of us, like there are probably all of us at the company and then my friends, probably 10 to 12 of us all lost our jobs within a month. Wow. So we had nothing to do and I, um, I was studying so I could be there but I had no form of income. Mm. So um, I started baking because that was what I used to do at work, I used to take baked goods into work. So I got all my other clients who had all been farmed out to um, different, different editing companies to basically have me supply baked goods to all their companies. Hmm. And then I decided to start a business even though I knew I couldn't really run it legally because I wasn't really allowed to. <laughs> <laughs> so, Never stopped anyone? No. So um, then my friend Max called me one day and said... Wait. <laughs> I've just met a guy. His name is Daniel. And he owns a chocolate company. I think he can help you. Is your name really Daniel? Yeah. Oh, wow. Is it the Brooklyn one? Mm. Um, Mars Brothers? No, they were... Mars Brothers were our neighbours. So Fine and Raw and the Mars Brothers came out at the same time. Okay. Uh, and basically why I mentioned the GFC was that not only was were I and my friends unemployed, but so many people were that they turned to... That's where the artisan Brooklyn food movement came from. Yeah. Because so many people, like um, the McClure's who make the best pickles in the world, mm. they were in finance, and then they lost their jobs, so they used their grandma's recipe to make pickles. God, they're good pickles. So I used to do the markets with them every week in Brooklyn. We would wow. all stand at this market. So I go... What year was this? This was 2008. Seven or eight. Yeah. Yeah. 2008, I think. Yeah. So I go to meet Daniel at the market. I call him and he says, come and meet me. And I walk up to the stand and this 100 feet tall South African man with a top knot is there. It's pretty tall. <laughs> and, he yeah. says, and he says, can I have a hug? And I was like, sure. <laughs> <laughs> Give him a hug. And he goes, taste some of my chocolate. And I tasted the chocolate. And I swear, I just went, something is about to happen in my life again. It was one of those experiences where I went, I don't know what that is. What did, what did I just eat and what is, what's going on here? And, um, and so I started volunteering for the company. So I did the markets every, every weekend for two years. I'd be at the market on a Saturday and a Sunday. I wonder if I ever saw you there. Probably. I, Which one did you go to? The one in Fort Greene or the one in Williamsburg? Well, we, I lived in Williamsburg. I yeah. lived right near the markets off Kent. Mm-hmm. Kent oh, so Kent and um, Wife was where, um, and Fifth was where, um, North Fifth and Kent was where our office was. That's where I lived. <laughs> Not in that building. <laughs> the big, tall, yeah. um, brick, <laughs> red brick one? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. It's that was a small, 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 small,
with a drawbridge on it. No. It was a guy who looked like a a hobbit. (laughs) It was like an industrial warehouse that you could, like, people bought parts of the warehouse and they would convert them into... I cannot
and I spoke to a lawyer and he advised me to quit immediately. How long did you work for him for? Three and a half years. Mm. Yeah. And then after I left, um, so I decided to go back to New Zealand. I, I had some friends who had tried to help me, but I, and again, it was one of those moments where I went, this is a struggle. Mm. And the struggle means that there's other things at play. Like I think, mm. it's, I think it's time to leave. I had mm. to, I had a sense that it was just time to mm. be somewhere that I was allowed to be. Yeah. So I left and about three months later, he opened a chocolate factory and that was what all the secret meetings were about. So mm. he'd been building a factory the whole entire time that we've been going through the visa process. I, I believe with no intention of hiring me. Mm. Um, so yeah, very interesting times. Wow. Very sad. It was, you know, mm. sad. Mm. Very traumatic. And then I went home, but I missed the chocolate. You know, like I love, and this was my thing, was I loved the company. Yeah. I saw it grow and I loved it. Mm. I loved the chocolate. I loved what we were doing. I loved the community. Mm. <clears throat> and I kept saying to him, we've got to expand the truffles. That's what everyone loves. And he was like, nope. I said, we really have to, like, this is, this is where the, you know, like, the secret is. And he was like, no, because we did chocolate bars. Mm. He did. And um, so I came home and I started making chocolate for myself. And um, I just gave it to friends if they were around. This is in Auckland, New Zealand. <laughs> and, then, um, and then friends from Melbourne, Australia called me up and said... Is there any Kiwis there? They tend to live in, in Queensland. Most <laughs> yeah, just two escapes. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So friends of mine called me and um, they said we you know, they own some restaurants over here, Huxter Burger and Huxtable. Mm. And they said come come check it out. So I did that and I loved it. And then I worked in their restaurant as a chef and I was really bad at my job. <laughs> I was in an open kitchen. I was untrained. And I, it was basically nice. like being thrown under the bus for about yeah. 13 hours a day. <laughs> is about how I describe it. So after four months of going home and crying every day and being grey and miserable, like miserable, I was like, hmm, pretty sure when I left New York it was for this beautiful, like, greater experience than yeah. I'm having right now. <laughs> so... Um, I went to a coffee shop one day because I had a cool coffee machine and it was called Silo in the city and I talked to the head chef called Douglas, talked about chocolate. He said, why don't you bring me some of your chocolate? I said, sure. Took it in and uh, he said, I want to order 50 bars of your chocolate. Instagram and took terrible photos and put worse captions and, <laughs> <laughs> and, and people started like contacting me I've never once gone into a store for an account mm. everything wow. has come through friends Instagram wow. Facebook whatever it That's is amazing. it's been just so Sadly, like, places it's so incredible Thirty to forty. Yeah, I was gonna say, I see you pop up everywhere. Mm. Wow. Yeah. So how does how does old mate going in America? 
I don't know. You haven't, haven't had done a bit of a sneaky stalk on Facebook or something and caught up with the business and see how it's going? I may or may not know that I have more Instagram followers. <laughs> 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 but I wish him the best. Yeah. <laughs> You know, like, I think it, it took me a long time, as I said, to accept that I was a part of that. Yeah. I really, really, um, I was very angry. Mm. And I was very, very upset that this thing felt like it had been taken away from me. But I think that it wasn't, I wasn't where I was supposed to be. Mm. So, you know, I didn't have... But you were, until you weren't. Oh, yeah, I was, <laughs> until I wasn't, exactly. Well, um, how did you come up with the name? So, um... So when Douglas ordered ordered the chocolate, he goes, "Oh, you better come up with a name because I'm going to put it on the menu." And I was like, "Oh." And he goes, "How about Georgie's chocolate?" And I was like, "No." <laughs> so I just I brainstormed and I thought I was going to call it ampersand, like the and sign mm. to signify traveling through, like that there was always a beginning and an end, or you've gone yeah. somewhere or come from somewhere. And so I toyed with that for a long time, and then I vetoed it. And then um, it was actually because uh, I was sitting one day, and I think um, Obama was being re-elected at the time. And when he had been elected the first time in the States, I was in a bar, and I remember really clearly saying to my friends, the next time he gets elected, I'm going to be a citizen, and I'm going to vote for him. You know, like it was a really, it was an intention of mine. Mm. So he was being re-elected, and I was thinking about how I'd never reached that citizenship. Mm. So I needed to create my own. And mm. so Citizen Cacao was like, mm. what? Amazing. So, so good. Oh. Fantastic. <laughs> That's deep. <laughs> so deep. So deep. <laughs> <laughs> I think I just dug it all the way So woke. <laughs> directions Mm -hmm. I think it will either end up with a hub manufacturing facility here Mm -hmm. in Melbourne Mm -hmm. which will have um, like the Mars Brothers did it'll be a factory at the back and then a um, so the Oompa Loompas running around with green hair and white overalls. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we all get this. Yeah. <laughs> and the music. <laughs> and then out the front will be um, a, a cafe. I mean, I've spoken to you a little bit about a, a smaller idea yeah. about um, kids are really my my thing. Mm. They're my uh, my true love. So um, one idea I had was to set up a retail facility that would be run by local children so you get teenagers in and it's their first job and you Mm. skill them in you can do behind the scenes with chocolate but you can also do you know someone can do social media someone can learn how to be a barista hospital skills whatever it is and you just get whomever the kids from the community child labor yes yeah yeah it's the future and really old people as well yeah Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) the nursing home really old people where am I and you get them (laughs) shut up make them chocolate you get them them high on cacao yeah high as hell yeah (laughs) (laughs) a little bit of brandy a little bit of chocolate exactly sorry about about the heart meds 
funny. Yeah. Where, did, where did you go first? Here? London. 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 London then. London, England. England. Yeah, yeah I went to London and then I'd studied French, German and Spanish at school, so I thought I'd live in France, Germany and Spain and mm. I just lived in London. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I visited this one. Yeah, cool. Wow. And, um, and then I lived in Ireland for eight months. Ireland? Yeah. Oh, Not on an island. The home of Conor McGregor. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I don't know who that is, but sure, it sounds like he's Irish. Yes. <laughs> and then back to London and then back home to New Zealand for six months. Cool. And then New York for 10 years. Is that a place where you go to reset? It seems like you just go there, all right, reset, all right, where are we going next? I can't live there now. Yeah, right. Yeah, it's funny. I think everyone says it in New Zealand that if you live away longer than five years, it's very hard to reintegrate. Mm. Go back. Is it too slow? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And I, I, but I've only ever tried to live in Auckland. I think perhaps that's been the problem. If mm-hmm. I tried to go to Wellington or Queenstown or somewhere mm-hmm. else mm-hmm. Um, that isn't familiar, mm-hmm. I might be fine. Mm-hmm. But because I go to what I grew up in, mm-hmm. it just doesn't feel comfortable anymore. Yeah. 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 And because this is the Spiritual Trading Podcast yes. live with the live to your audience, which has been yes. so much fun. I Thank you guys. Yeah. <laughs> so I've just poured, poured my entire story out. Yeah. yeah. So, so good. How, how does spiritual practice fit into this story? Does it? Very much so. Well, then, mm. where, how, where, how, why? So, if, <laughs> <laughs> so well, if, we, if we look way back when I talked about the. Um, the the intuition that I that I experienced with all of my major moments in life, I don't think I, I understood the, the spiritual depth of those things or I didn't have a conversation around them at the time. When I now reflect on them, I realise that I was in a state of, um, of um, peace and contemplation when I made those decisions. Like they were very... Um, they were very deep and they were very obvious to me at the time. Um, now... Uh, I think my forgiveness has come because I've turned to um, practices like yoga and meditation to understand myself a lot more. Mm. <clears throat> and in understanding myself, um, it's it's given me a um, yeah a, a, a truer understanding of the interaction um, that happens bet- and the interplay between humans and mm. the responsibility that we each have. Um, and the, and the roles that we play, and they're not they're not static or you know or fixed. They change all the time. Mm-hmm. So um, now with my business, if I had you know like I was really blessed last year to learn meditation mm-hmm. because I was at a moment of crisis where opportunity was coming and I saw it as threat. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I mean, I just was like, I, this is too much for me. I it brought all the. I, I can't do this, I'm not enough, I, I don't know this, this isn't familiar to me, why are you asking me to do all these things that sound really wonderful but I'm scared, <laughs> you yeah. know, and um, so learning to meditate, it was mm. just like, mm. okay, yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, so, you know, now it's, it's everything, nothing seems insurmountable. Oh. You know, and then I had a really deeply spiritual experience in the desert. I did the Lara Pinta Trail two years ago mm. in October, which was a really great idea. 
without any training. I went once around the tan without <laughs> without a backpack. <laughs> Ready. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> so I went with my friend Yo, who's an avid hiker, and she's very much so Aussie. She was like, "You'll be fine." And I, and I was like, okay, and we looked at them, you know, at the elevations, and I didn't really know what it meant, and I was like, I can do that, that's fine. <laughs> um, so, I went to the desert, and it was 35 degrees by 9.30 a.m. every day. And I, first two and a half hours were there out of Alice Springs, I threw up and was like, walking sideways, I was delirious. And I was like, I can't, I can't, I can't do this. I need chocolate. But yeah, I was like, I can't. I'm, there is no way I'm going to be able to do this and I pushed on and we got to the end of it and I was like I can do anything because I went through it in a state where I was unfit I was unprepared I was you know all this stuff and I was like look at what you can do when you don't have any resources really mm-hmm. um, but through it um, I had met Laura and Johnny and we'd done the One Giant Line mass events in Kinfolk mm-hmm. And I'd learned a hum. And so when I got stuck climbing, mm. I meditated my way up the mountain. Mm. <laughs> and then I'd get there. Mm. And it was really powerful. Mm. And I remember coming back and telling you guys that. <laughs> Basically levitated. It was like a travelator. Spirit quest with no preparation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Um, yeah. So, yeah. so I'd say it, it affects all of me Amazing. every day and the business very much so for sure. mm. and the chocolate <laughs> of course can you taste the spiritual yeah, yeah. <laughs> spiritual chocolate yes. it is spiritual yeah it's the official chocolate of the spiritual trading podcast let me tell you <laughs> <laughs> not sponsored <laughs> <laughs> Although your bee is eating yeah. chocolate. Yes, that's yes. true, it is. And I will eat more of it. <laughs> no you. one's sleeping tonight. <laughs> that post dinner, no one is sleeping. Yeah. <laughs> so delicious. Yeah. That's amazing, George. Yeah. yeah. If you have any advice for a young woman mm. starting off in her life of wanting to, you know, Follow what she's passionate Step about. Step into her power. Mm. What piece of advice would you give? Um, I think the thing that has served me most is to listen mm. to myself. People have offered me advice every day. <laughs> you know, like, do this, do that, you know, you should do this. You know, because we all want to help other people, so yeah. we all want to use our own experience mm. to relate yeah. to someone else and share our stories, and it's beautiful. I would say that you know you already know, mm-hmm. you know, and let it go. The most beautiful thing about citizen is it's tiny incremental growth. Mm. It's still miniature. You know, it's funny because people say this to me all the time. Oh, it's everywhere. It's just that it's everywhere that we like to go. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So it's actually quite small. Yeah. Yeah. But in keeping it small, it's meant that I haven't had to invest hundreds of thousands of dollars mm. in equipment, and mm. so there's no debt. Mm. You know, and that's a, that's a beautiful. Mm. You know, beautiful thing is mm. a few thousand dollars, but after five years, that's that's mm. not so much. Yeah. Um, and do never wait for.
for something to be perfect because it's never ever going to be perfect and mm-hmm. perfection doesn't exist mm-hmm. so you know the making sure your website's done and make sure this is done mm-hmm. just jump mm-hmm. jump and swim around and do the backstroke and doggy paddle mm-hmm. and <laughs> survive <laughs> and learn that way mm-hmm. and let people help you mm-hmm. you know that was something I didn't do in fact I would say that's not a regret but a very good lesson was asking for help when I needed it. Mm. I did everything on my own and I was a bit of a martyr about it. I worked 90 hours a week and it would have been so easy to to ask people to help me, yeah. but I was stubborn. Yeah. Um, and trust has been a big one. I have recipes that I have to share with people and at the beginning there was a fear that people were just going to set up their own company. <laughs> you know, they'd take my recipes and run away with them. And now they still may do that, but there's enough room, mm. you know, and I don't mm. really, I don't follow anyone else mm. who's in my world. Mm. I don't see what people are doing. I just do my thing and mm. hope that I connect with mm. the right people along Fantastic. the way. Fantastic. Mm. So, mm. yeah, that would be it. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks yeah. for yeah. Our epic um, story. Yeah. yeah. Wow. My chocolate. Yeah. My chocolate. Question. I want more stories. This is awesome. <laughs> I'm just sitting here in my mind, just blowing. I'm just like, and I'm looking around, like, oh my god, there's a room full of people. Yeah. <laughs> stories. Who's next? There once was a man from Nantucket.